Hey, what's up everybody? You're listening to the Enterprise Architecture Radio. If you're thinking about organizational complexity and agility, if you're concerned about operational efficiencies and thinking of taking it to the next level, if managing innovation is one of your priorities, you've come to the right place. On this podcast, we talk about all of that and more. It's a jungle out there, and we'll attempt to navigate this jungle of frameworks, methods, and most importantly, enterprise architecture in practice. I'd like to start this podcast today by announcing that Enterprise Architecture Radio is now on YouTube in video format. So if you're listening to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform, whether it's Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Amazon Music or any other podcast platform, continue to do so because there are benefits of listening to the audio podcast. It uh, allows you to listen to the podcast while you're driving or jogging or exercising or cooking or what have you. And it's very convenient. So continue to do that. However, if you're curious, then go to YouTube and search for Enterprise Architecture Radio and you'll find us. Now, all the podcasts that we've done so far, and today's episode 55, so it's been quite a few podcasts, they're all available on YouTube. It's just that there, it wasn't in a video format. All you could see was some graphic equalizers going up and down. But now I've started recording video as well. Only with the idea that the visualization will give you better clarity about the concepts that we are doing and and it should be fun. So if you're curious about the video podcast, go to YouTube, search for Enterprise Architecture Radio and you'll find us. Anyways, uh, the topic of today's discussion is um, thinking in systems. So since I started my career as a programmer, I've always been interested in design thinking. And well, initially when I started my career, I was very busy understanding the syntactical challenges of uh, programming languages and what have you but very quickly i started getting interested in design thinking um, and one of the and many people have been inspiration for me for getting into design thinking and all credit goes to them but one very important prominent character was vivek oswal he's been a very close friend of mine since we were very young and we have an interesting history uh, we were friends when we were very young, like four or five years old, and then we separated uh, for a long period of time. And then we met again um, when we were older, when we were in college. And I remember I was having some silly conversation with friends in the library, and and and, and he walks over and he says, "Answers are useless." I don't know why he said it. I don't remember the context, but he said, "Answers are useless." And I said, uh, "Yes, they are, because answers are the end, and the questions are the beginning. They spark." Uh, curiosity uh, um, and they are the beginning of the conversation and 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 then we met and then we recognized each other and you know became friends and what have you but what i'm trying to say is we've him and i vivek and i we've always been of a little bit of a philosophical bent uh, and he's pushed me to look beyond he's always inspired me to do the critical thinking that needs to be done and i think systems thinking is the foundation of design thinking which which i was trying to learn at that point in time Another inspiration has been this book, Thinking in Systems by Donella H. Meadows. It's been a constant source of uh, information for me. It's been a ready reference for me for many years now. I keep going back to this book. I read it every year, almost. And and I always find new things in it. So, so it's been a source of learning for me. So what is systems? Let's talk about that a little bit. 
A system is a combination of interconnected components working together to achieve a common objective. Um, there are three aspects to this definition. One is interconnected components, components that are connected to each other. Second is working together. And third is to achieve a common objective. Interconnected means, well, we all know they are all connected to each other. Working together means there's communication, there's collaboration, uh, you know, there's give and take between the various components of the system. And all of them are working to achieve one single objective. Now, if you look around, you'll see there are many systems around us. If many things around us that sort of meet this criteria, right? If you look at natural things, things created by nature, like the human body or any body of any species on this planet, for example, it has a a skeletal system, a muscular system, a circulatory system, digestive system, reproductive system, nervous system, and so on and so forth. And all these systems are a representation of a system because they have subcomponents working together to achieve a common objective. They're all interconnected. There's give and take and, and so on. And it's not just natural systems also. You know, you, even if you look around, you'll see uh, human beings also gravitate towards creating things that meet this criteria. The question is, why so? You know, why do we naturally gravitate towards creating systems? Systems that are, that have subcomponents that work together and so on and so forth. So there are uh, three things that make systems thinking work, right? First is systems are hierarchical and every system that you see that is interconnected works together to achieve a common objective and so on and so forth is hierarchical in nature. There is a subsystem and then there is a, um, super system right if you look at our human body or any uh, the any body of a living organism there's a circulatory system skeletal systems muscular system uh, and so on and so forth now within let's say digestive system right within the digestive system there are subcomponents that work together and which includes the teeth and the tongue uh, to the gullet to the stomach to the bile within the stomach and so on and so forth so there are subcomponents that are all working together to achieve the common objective of digesting food and providing nutrition to the body and then there is the uh, let's say respiratory system and then the circulatory system right but they're all ultimately parts of a larger super system uh, human body so there is a human body within which there are multiple systems which are really subsystems of the human body and then there are subcomponents within those systems independently which also work together to achieve the common objective and then there's a super system where all human beings get together into a tribe and then they propagate the species and uh, which is good for the overall human system as well, right? So all systems are hierarchical and uh, it's the same with man-made systems. You know, you have a telecommunication system, for example, which is man-made. Um, you have organizations and enterprises uh, which have subsystems within it. They're all hierarchical in nature and and hierarchical systems usually function. You know, they usually work. Now, the question is, why do they work, right? Systems are resilient. What resilience means is that if the system is facing some kind of a challenge, right, whether it's it, when its survival is at stake, they will fight back and, and stay resilient. They will survive. If a part of the system is not working, then they are resilient enough because of the hierarchical nature of the system the the overall here, uh, super system will sort of ignore the system uh, the component that is not pro working properly and continue to survive you know the hierarchical nature makes it resilient and systems are self-correcting and self-organizing 
what that means is that the part that is not working will eventually try to fix itself. And this is not just with organic system. It is also with uh, artificial system. So within an organization, if there are business processes that are that have become inefficient or not working well, then either somebody will notice that these processes need improvement and will get improved or they will start affecting the larger system. When a human body, for example, if the liver is not working really well, then either we have to get it fixed or it'll start affecting the rest of the system, the super system as well, you know, and human beings often die because they did not fix the error on time, right? So either it is self-correcting and self-organizing or it'll take the thing out, they take the component out of the system naturally. And it is these characteristics about the system that make the system better over a period of time. Now, what's very interesting is that even though as a species, human beings are very progressive and we've studied the environment around us and we've studied how things work, how components work, and we have now modern science and computer science and rocket science and what have you, we are hilariously ignorant about systems. We naturally gravitate towards building systems that work, but we are unable to perceive the systems in its entirety. And one of the reasons why that happens, and we are designed that way. I'm not calling you ignorant but as a you know a human being. I'm saying the species overall is designed in such a way that our way of thinking is linear. You know, we, we, we are linear in our thought. To give you an example, we think that if A leads to B, right, we will naturally assume that 2A will lead to 2B. But it's not like that. Systems are more complex than that. Systems are not linear, right? Systems are multidimensional, multifaceted, you know, and just because A leads to B does not mean that 2A will lead to 2B. It, it could lead to 0.5B or B square or nothing, right? There are many variables in the overall system and we we, for some reason, choose to ignore all the variables and we think that uh, the system will behave rationally. And rationally for us means what we consider rationally. So so we are linear in our thought and systems are not. Systems are complex. Systems are multidimensional, multifaceted, and we are unable to understand them. But we have a mechanism that helps us understand the aspect of the system that we need to understand. And this is what I was talking about uh, in my last episode when I said, we don't really need to understand. When I told you the story of four blind men and the elephant, we don't really need to understand the entire system. We just need to understand the aspect of the system that makes sense to us. And that's why we have models. There is this saying about models that all models are wrong and some of them are useful. What that means is that models naturally abstract information uh, about the system and only keep the information that we need. The whole point of model is that a model is a cheap representation of the system because we don't want to understand the entire system because there's a tremendous amount of cost involved in building the entire system, whether it's a mental model or whether it's a real thing. Since building the real thing is very expensive, we build models that only represent the aspect of the entire system that, that we need to understand or that we need to represent. If I extrapolate this the world is a system, right? The universe, our life is a system. And everything that we look around us are really models, are fake, uh, cheap, uh, abstract representations of the real system. We don't know the universe. We don't know anything, you know. Uh, we think we know certain things and we extrapolate them uh, in our linear way of thinking. But 
there's a lot more to life than what we understand right the system life universe everything is a black box once you realize this that the system is a black box and that we have models that will represent aspects about the system and that uh, there are many components and many dimensions to these systems it gives you a very different perspective about design it gives you a very pers- different perspective about life in general to take a little bit abstract example of the word karma the word karma pronounced karma in english karm in hindi and karma in assamese so i'm not going to focus too much on the word karm or its pronunciation but i do want to stress a little bit on the meaning of the word karm or karma it is naturally assumed that the word karma means what goes around comes around you know they say karma is a bitch or if you do good you'll get good if you do bad you'll get bad which cannot be further from the truth that's not what the word karma really meant uh, in its original form the word karma means literally means action nothing else okay action but holistically speaking when you talk about nishkam karma right or the word karma and its philosophical meaning what it really means is detached action just like if a leads to b 2a may not necessarily lead to 2b similarly just because you've done action does not mean that you are going to get a result you know so nishkam karma essentially means be detached from the output be detached from the outcome right just focus on the action and leave the result to the system because the system is multidimensional it is multifaceted anything can happen all you can do is control the action that you are performing and the result could be anything and that is the true meaning of karma it's not what goes around comes around well there is a general guideline that if you are a good person and if you've you know done good stuff then you are generating positive energy around you which will lead to ultimately good things and but that is conjecture and that is again linear thinking the true meaning of karma is stay focused on the work that you're doing and don't worry about the results the results the systems will provide got a little bit philosophical today um but you know let me know what you think about this episode uh, we are on youtube check us out on youtube tell us what you would like to hear from on this podcast and now i'll try to do my best to cover those topics and thinking in systems is a very large concept and you will continue to hear about thinking in systems from me um in upcoming episodes and and um, like share subscribe and remember this is this entire podcast the entire purpose of this podcast is to start conversations so uh, if you have something to say look us up we are everywhere all social media all podcast platforms find us enterprise architecture radio now on youtube as well and uh, get the conversations going that's all i have for you today folks i hope you enjoyed the show more about organizational agility innovation and enterprise architecture in the practical world in the business right here on the show but before i end the show i want you to help me out with this one little thing pause the show and share this podcast via whatsapp or text message with at least one person who might be interested in the show it could be anyone your colleague your boss someone in your team that's all i ask just one share with one message via text or whatsapp or any social media of your choice and it would go a long way in supporting this podcast and growing this listener base 
Also, please don't forget to follow the podcast. That way, you'll get notified when we publish a new episode. If you want to find out more about us, you can find us at enterprisearchitectureradio.com. If you have ideas, thoughts, disagreements, please feel free to write to me directly. Uh, we also have a Telegram group if you would like to contribute to the EA discussions or what have you. Just search for Enterprise Architecture Radio on Telegram. Or the URL to join the group is https colon slash slash t.me slash enterprise architecture radio. While our contact details are there in the show notes, we are very easy to find. Just search for Enterprise Architecture Radio anywhere. Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, even Discord. Once again, I hope you had fun and I'll see you in the next one.